Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then God said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers have sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to look at two concepts today. First, I want to look at the man, and then I want to look at God. How do they act? What is their response one to another? And the first thing that you'll notice, especially if you're reading it in Hebrew, is there's a word that comes up over and over and over. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. He appeared. Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, sight, 
to look. So often we, we worship God in only certain ways because we don't want to worship God with our, all of our being. But the Hebrew Scriptures remind us that we worship God with our eyes. We worship God with our ears. We worship God even with our nose, with our mouth, with our feeling, as well as our mind and our heart and our soul. We worship God in so many different ways. But the Hebrew Scriptures, um, they're not afraid of repetition. They will repeat things over and over and over. And in this case, the, the repetition that you see is sight. You look, you behold, you see. And also, the Hebrew Bible isn't afraid to use uh, common concepts. So whenever you see the word sight or to see, it's very common for another word to appear. Fear. Because they sound the same. To see and to fear, they have the same sound in Hebrew. And so Moses is walking the flock, he's feeding his sheep, and he looks and he sees something happening. And he, well, that's unusual. And he goes and looks to see what it is. And as he approaches, he sees that the bush is not burning. And God calls out to him. Because God also sees that Moses turned aside. Well, that's an unusual thing for God to do. Like, I mean, wouldn't God know that Moses would turn aside? Wasn't that the whole purpose of being in the bush to begin with? But God sees that Moses turns aside. And he calls out to him and he talks to Moses. And eventually God says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And what does Moses do? He hides his face. He does not want to see this God. And you might ask, well, he was fine a moment ago. <laughs> oh, look, there's a burning bush. It's not being consumed. I'm talking to someone. He's talking out of the burning bush. I'm talking back. Oh, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't want to look. I don't want to see. And why? You can go back and read from uh, Genesis. There are several passages um, that talk about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In Genesis 26, God's talking to Isaac. Now there was a famine in the land beside the former famine that was in the day of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. 
Um, For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my law. Remember, this was before we had the law given. But Abraham obeyed God. Abraham followed what God wanted him to do. And God tells Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Because remember, Abraham had disobeyed a certain commandment and gone to Egypt. He hadn't stayed in the place that God had put him. And Isaac is told, no, wait here, stay here, it's fine. You'll be fine. Uh, And again, in in, um, Genesis 28, very similar. Uh, But just in case you're thinking, oh, well, then why is Israel in Egypt now? Uh, There is another passage in Genesis 46. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba. And he offered sacrifices to the God of his fathers, right? Abraham and Isaac. Um, specifically in this case, the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, I am here. Same phrase that Moses uses. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there I will make you a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. So, in this particular case, it wasn't disobedience for Israel, Jacob, to go to Egypt with his children. And so they get to Egypt, and what do the children of Israel know? What does Moses know about this God? This hadn't been written yet. Moses would eventually write um, the Torah, but it's not yet written. And so as as Moses hears the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, perhaps he's not overly familiar with all of who this God is, right? He grew up as an Egyptian. And in fact, probably the majority of Israelites also didn't know much about this God. But he knew enough to fear. He saw, of course, there are many gods in the Egyptian pantheons, but he saw this one. He's like, okay, oh, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not Hator, it's not Ra, it's not any of the Seb, like it's the God. And perhaps he remembered the creation. Perhaps he remembered the flood. Perhaps he remembered the sins of his forefathers and even his own sin. And was deeply, deeply, Afraid. 
And that's man. But what about God? Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction. Moses hides his face. And God says, no, I've seen. I'm looking. I'm aware of what's happening. I have seen the affliction and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And then one of the, my favorite aspects of Hebraic poetry. It gives these words that are common to see and to fear and it puts them together. And it keeps saying the same word, to see, to, to behold, to fear. And then it switches. And when it switches, you know this is the point. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I see their suffering? No. God doesn't see their suffering only. I know. I know their suffering. And this is a very important word in Hebrew. If you go back to Genesis chapter 4, what does it mean to know? Now Abraham knew his wife. Oh, that's nice. And they had a child. To know something or someone is intimacy. In this particular case, it's sex, intercourse. That's how close they are. They know each other. And this is a common use of the word. Same chapter. So Adam and Eve, they had two sons, right? Shortly thereafter, then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Same word. I do not know. No intimacy, no closeness, no knowledge. But after seeing, fearing, God knows. A lot of people, when they read Genesis, or Exodus chapter 3, they jump to verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Because this is the name of God. This is who God is. Unfortunately, I believe the most important is verse 12. Because it's the same word. I will be with you. The same word is I am who I am just with a pronoun at the end of it. So you have the name of God with you. I will be with you. God knows what's happening to the people. And he will be with them. He will be with Moses. He will know what's happening. 
one more verse. Isaiah 53. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The same word. He knew grief. Children of Israel are in Egypt and they're crying out to God because of the pain, the suffering, the oppression that they have. And God says, I know what you're going through. And we might say, oh, he's God. What do you mean he knows what we're going through? He has everything perfect. He's all powerful. He, he knows what they're going through. He's experiencing it with them. I know. I know. I know. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. Not because of fear, but because of shame. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief. He carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. People of Egypt cried out to God, and God knew their sorrows. Lamentations. Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow. And God says, there is. Because I sorrow with you, and I know the pain.